Welcome to PSQH the podcast. I'm your host Jay Kumar, editor-in-chief of PSQH. On this episode I talked to Gary Warren, CEO of IV Watch, about how technology can improve IV safety. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Gary Warren, CEO of IV Watch. Welcome to the show, Gary. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for being here. And um, before we talk about uh, IV leakage and sort of the patient safety implications of that, I was wondering if you could uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, IV Watch. Sure. I uh, So I'm an engineer by trade. I um, started my career off uh, I worked for NASA for 14 years as an aerospace engineer. I've got two engineering degrees. And um, and uh, I'm old enough, I was around when the internet began. So um, <laughs> I was part of a program called the High Performance Computing Initiative, which was run by Senator Al Gore. Mm-hmm. And uh, you may have heard how Al Gore always says he invented the internet. And that was because of that program. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, I uh, I left NASA because we had uh, I started with a group of people. I started a software company, and uh, and ran that for about four years. And then Symantec, the makers of Norton Antivirus, ended up buying it. And uh, then I worked for Symantec for about four years, and then got into mobile computing, and uh, and then got into medical about 13 years ago um, and with IV Watch. So that's how I got here. Kind of a crazy twisted path. Yeah, how did that? How did you sort of make that turn to to healthcare? Well, I I was actually approached by a group of uh, engineers. So they had been working on trying to solve this problem of IVs, you know, going bad. And they had been they were funded by the National Institutes of Health starting in about 2000. And um, so in you know around 2010 they contacted me because just because of my business background and uh and then also have an engineering background in fluid dynamics so you know it was kind of related and and Mm -hmm. the business model they had was very similar to the antivirus model with recurring revenue on disposable sales and all that so um, i ended up uh, buying the assets out of the company and hiring some of the engineers and put my engineering back hat back on and built a small supercomputer in my living room and uh, went to town. Nice. Well, let's talk about it. Uh, what are the patient safety implications of IV leakage and subsequent injury? So it's a it's a terrible problem. Um, you know, the other thing that brought me into this or has kept me motivated is I took a bad fall um, over a rail and, and landed headfirst on a on a on, on on the ground and so i ended up having to go to mayo clinic and they had to reconstruct my right arm and so i've had a lot of ivs and uh and my father also died from an iv complication as well and um and the iv complications i had uh, were ranged from ivs leaking to i had a pulmonary embolism a blood clot that went to my lung and uh you know i used to always joke you can't die from a broken arm but apparently you can and uh you know ivs are the most invasive uh, or the most um uh they're, they're an invasive procedure and it's the most prescribed thing in the hospital setting so you know 90 percent of people that go to the hospital the reason no one likes to go to the hospital is because <laughs> they're going to get an iv right you know no one likes the needle right and uh but people don't realize how dangerous those things can be i mean think about if you have a stroke and uh, you go into the hospital and they have to get 
TPA or a drug in you to break up the clots, if they miss the vein, you die. Right. And right. Un- unfortunately, one out of six patients, they miss the IV. And so it's just quite crazy. And, and there hasn't been a solution to this problem. And I'm a firm believer that that I'm a firm believer that people don't admit to a problem until there's a solution to it. And um, so the group of scientists and physicists that I worked with, um, they, they had come up with a, a, a way to solve this problem. And, and I was able to contribute to the algorithm development and all that. And, and uh, Cincinnati Children's Hospital had called the company and said, hey, if you move your clinical work here, we'll pay for it. And you know it has to be a problem when a hospital is willing to pay for the clinical work because that's millions of dollars. And uh, it was the number one reason they were getting sued. And um, so we, we've, we've solved the problem of being able to detect these things before they cause harm to people. Um, and it's really starting to take off now with, you know, we, I just got back from Europe. You know, one of the <clears throat> areas, uh, the NHS, they have socialized medicine in the United Kingdom. But one of the areas that they, in the infusion centers over there, are people going to get drugs is where people go in and get iron infusions. So if you have anemia, um, you know, you can be young, you can be old, but you know, in this, in this country, there are over 9 million iron infusions every year for patients over the age of 65, it's 9 million. And uh, probably about 2% of those get permanently scarred from the IV because the iron leaks out and it causes the skin to turn black and it never goes back. And uh, so you have you know young people that go in and they end up with a full arm tattoo that they weren't planning on having that they got to right. live with the rest of their life. So those are the problems we're solving. And you mentioned you know lawsuits. I mean, what are the the legal ramifications for hospitals and and other facilities from these you know IV mishaps? Yeah. So. They're they're getting worse. Uh, there was just a case in Indiana, a jury award uh, a few months ago for uh, a, a man that lost his lower leg because during an operation they put an IV in his foot, and he got a jury award for eleven million dollars, and he lost his lower part of one of his legs. So you know now that there's technology on the market, um, you can't just say, well, that's just the risk anymore because they, you know, IVs going bad are going to happen. You're going to have patients, you're going to roll over on it. You're going to, you're going to bump it or something. So it happens where you get into legal peril is when you fail to monitor it. And, you know, the nursing, you know, everyone's heard about the nursing shortages and burnout and everything. And you're supposed to check on some of these IVs every hour. They don't do it. They don't have time. And uh, so they're not being monitored, and that's where you end up with legal in legal peril because you're not watching the IV, and and uh, and you end up getting sued and lose. So how has uh, IV Watch solved the problem? Well, we monitor, we check the IV eighteen thousand times an hour. So that's where continuous monitoring comes in, and you can mm-hmm. think about, you know, the old days they used to come around every every hour and check your pulse with their fingers on your arm, right? Okay. They don't do that anymore. They, they put a little sensor on your finger and it's continuous monitoring. Um, so continuous monitoring in healthcare, uh, not just for your vitals, but for procedures, everything they're doing for you is becoming paramount. The technology is there to do it. So, you know, if nurses don't have time to come in every two, three, four hours, I mean, heck, I, I had a pulmonary embolism. They had heparin flowing in my arm in the hospital. They put me in a room. They didn't check on me for eight hours. 
And uh, it's just crazy. So there's no excuse for that anymore. I mean, the technology's there. Uh, we have to continuously, I mean, they continuously monitor your bed now. So if you get out of your bed, it alarms, right? Right. Um, we should be monitoring IVs as well. So if they go bad, we know it's before you end up with some caustic drug in your arm instead of in your veins. Um, Congress has uh, proposed a national patient safety board. How would uh, how would that sort of improve things in the U.S.? Well, I would hope it would. Uh, we're big advocates of that. You know, um, you know, if you have a plane crash, the NTSB comes in and investigates it, right? And um, I'll give you, you know, I'll give you an example. Uh, so there's an area of medicine called radiopharmaceuticals. So if you go in for uh, a bone scan or, you know, a nuclear stress test in your heart they, or uh, you're getting a CT scan, um, sometimes they inject a radioactive dye into your veins. And um, so the, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, the NRC, actually is the one that oversees the administration of, of these drugs. And they've come out and said that it's up to the patient to report if they get harmed from a radiopharmaceutical, from a radioactive drug, it's up to the patient to report if they get an injury, you know, year later, right? Mm -hmm. So if you get a radioactive dye and it misses your vein, goes in your foot, um, it's up to the patient to report it. That's just crazy. That's crazy. That's like, that's like, um, that's like if there's a plane crash, you're going to, it's up to the passenger to report that the plane crashed. Right, right. I mean, it's just nuts. So, uh, you know, my, my hope is that we come out with something like the NTSB in medicine that, you know, for these patient harm events, that they have to be reported and they have to be investigated. I mean, if, if, if you know, the, the, the IVs going bad in the NICU, you know, newborn baby population can be up to 70%. Wow. And they don't report it. And you end up with things like cancer showing up later on and all of this stuff and or limbs being amputated. I was just at a conference in the UK last week and the speaker was talking about how they unwrapped, they went in and unwrapped a baby's foot. They had an IV that had gone bad. They unwrapped the foot, the gauze, and the top of the foot fell off. That's oh the God. kind of stuff you got to report and they got to investigate it. You know, you can't just cover it up. And, and that's what we're doing right now in this country is we cover it up. It's terrible. Is uh, is there support for the National Patient Safety Board? Like, does it look like it's actually going to happen? Well, well, you know, everything's political, right? Mm -hmm. um, who's got the money? Um, I think it will. I, you know, we all, no matter what political party you belong to, we all end up in the hospital and we all get to see what goes on in hospitals. If you want to get sick, go to a hospital, right? Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful that it'll cross political boundaries. I do worry about lobbying efforts, um, you know, from powerful hospital groups, but uh, some hospitals have signed on, some, some have not, but we'll see. We're, we're obviously advocating for that yeah um how widespread is is your technology right now is it sort of you know making its way you know throughout the industry or like how, where where are you sort of in that process yeah so you know from the from the release of a new medical technology until you know standard of care the average lifespan to do something like that is 17 years it takes a long time 
Um, so we are in three of the top 10 children's hospitals in the U.S. right now. Um, the, the, the healthcare system in the U.S. is a little different. It's kind of twisted, uh, to be honest with you. Um, so we, we, the hospitals here operate on something called a DRG system. So, mm-hmm. you know, in the old days, they used to be able to sign you up for a test. And then, you know, let's say a test cost $100. And then your insurance company would reimburse them for, let's say, $200. So that's how they made their money, right? They got to keep the $100 profit. Um, the Affordable Care Act under Obama changed that for hospitals. So now um, if you get a knee replaced, you don't charge for aspirin and everything else. They just say, I'm going to give you $40,000 for your, this knee replacement. Do what you can. Well, what, <coughs> what that's created is a system where it's all about saving money. And I had one hospital executive tell me, um, our business model now is to provide the least amount of health care for the most amount of money, which is kind of scary. Yeah. Um, so we have to demonstrate, you know, savings. We can't demonstrate how we make health care better. Um, over in socialized medicine platforms like the NHS in the UK, you know, it's a combination. You know, it's not under the DRG system. So our international traction right now is pretty high. Um, you know, we're in a lot, we're in a lot of ICUs, so patients that can't verbalize pain or issues, we're in that. But uh, but uh, yeah, we're um, we're 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 growing we're growing rapidly, and and uh, and uh, the company is it's got me exhausted. We're growing <laughs> rapidly. That's all I can say. I just got yeah. half. I think we were in three countries like in one day in Europe. Oh, just, I'm, I'm like I'm wore out. Yeah. Uh, so where do you see uh, IV safety technology going in the near future? I think in fu- you know infusion centers. Um, you know if you're going in for bad drugs through a peripheral IV, I think you know if you're putting a caustic medication into somebody, makes you got to put a sensor on it at the end of the day. Um, you know I think children's hospitals. I think uh, you know the intensive care units where people can't talk. I think so. We're just about risk management. Uh, you know, I mentioned the stroke scenario a little while ago, um, but drugs that are high risk or patients that are high risk and you can't have a drug error, I think that's where IV Watch is going to shine. And right now in the U.S., that represents about 40 to 50 million IVs a year. Um, there's probably 150 million IVs administered a year in this country, which is crazy. There's only like 300 million people in the country, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how prevalent IVs are. So I think, you know, that 40 to 50 million of them being high risk, that's that's our market right now is to, to de-risk those. Mm-hmm. Um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about a recent study that was published um, that showed the efficacy of IV sensors at uh, Wilhelmina's Children's Hospital in, uh, in Utrecht. Yeah, the, uh, so we were just over there. Um, and so that's in the Netherlands. And uh, the the gentleman doing the work there very had a photographer that he knew um, that does does sports photography and um, the guy's work the photographer's work is art but he he had a a severe injury from an IV when he was a NICU baby himself and so this children's hospital brought this photographer in and they took uh, photographs of these uh, young babies uh, and their injuries from IVs over the course of seven or eight sessions, and they published it in three newspapers. And I, I've never seen that. You know, you don't mm-hmm. 
you don't see hospitals publish pictures of injuries that right. happened. They, and they did that. It was very brave. And they did that to show the problem. And they raised over 200,000 euros. And they had over 3,000 people in that community stand up and say no more and put money in to buy, to put IV Watch in that hospital because they did not, the, the community just didn't want to see those injuries anymore. Mm-hmm. And so we did a study. And, uh, you know, before the study, they were having multiple injuries a week. And then during the study, there was none. And then when they stopped the study, the injuries came back. Mm. And um, so that's what's happening all around when people do evaluations of the technology is they'll find that their injuries go way down. So it's very, very good, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. Getting the word out there anyways, right? Yeah. well, Gary, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. This has been great, and uh, good luck on uh, on you know getting it out there. It sounds like you're making progress. Yeah, well, thank you for having me today. All right. That wraps up Episode 95 of PSQH, the podcast. You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes at psqh.com. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts. Thanks again, and stay safe.